Good morning. A joyous Lord's Day to you. We, uh, our, our thinking is that uh, this, this time that we spend together is, uh, is a combination. Of, we, just, we do Sunday school and church in one fell swoop, so to speak. And so there's a, a transition point here, which uh, hopefully everybody realizes if you need to stretch your legs or attend to any other matters, it's certainly an opportune time time to do so. Um, and of course, there's the old concept of, you know, maybe going to Sunday school and not church. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I know if uh, when I was a boy, we were going to go swimming, go picnic and swimming on Sunday afternoon. I was always hoping that we would go to Sunday school and skip church. I don't know how I got that idea, because we never did. It, it never happened, but I suspect there were others in the, in the community that did so. At any rate, you see the questions on the board, or rather the screen, uh, that we'll consider in our response time after the message this morning. You want to keep those in mind before you as we consider God's Word this morning. Considering as we gather in the joy of one another. As we gather together knowing that God has blessed us with one another. And looking to fulfill the command of our Savior, looking to fulfill the calling from God's Word that we would love one another. We read this morning from Galatians chapter 6. If you've had time for the, the questions, Brethren, it's a word that not only expresses uh, the, the relationship of, of one man to another in the same family, but it also expresses the relationship among the body of Christ, Christians, those who have been called out from the world and into the fellowship of the saints. And so... These, uh, these words are addressed to us all. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. As no doubt you are familiar, the Apostle Paul was led by God to write this letter to the churches in that region of Asia Minor, known, known as Galatia, 
an area where Paul had established a number of churches during his first missionary journey. Subsequently, Paul learned that there were those that had come into these churches, those that were troubling, if you will, the Christians in those churches, telling them that if you wanted to be a follower of the Jewish Messiah, then you must be a Jew. And they were telling them that you then would have to observe all of the Jewish rituals. You would have to ascribe to all the, Jew, uh, the, the Jewish religion, follow all the commands, um, and um, be, be obedient to, uh, uh, to, to the Jewish law. And Paul is very emphatic throughout this, this book of Galatians that this is absolutely not the case. And that which he preached to them and that in which they believed, salvation by grace through faith, that is what changes the heart. And it is that salvation that calls one into that one anotherness in which Christ commands that we love one another. It is in that one anotherness. It is in that salvation by grace through faith that that fellowship is built up and love grows toward one another. In our reading today, we encountered the idea that we were all called to to restore those who are caught in a transgression. I'm not going to spend a lot of time interpreting what it means to be caught in a transgression. Many of us used to be little boys. And those of you that didn't, you know what it means. Getting caught in a transgression is something I think we're all familiar with. But in the life of the church, in the life of the body of Christ, there are occasions when sins and transgressions, and failures, shortcomings, will arise with, within the body. And when, when these become known, when these become apparent, become public, if you will, it's incumbent upon certainly the leadership of the church but then all those who have the, the spiritual maturity to, to, to go about restoring, restoring that one to the joy of his or her salvation. It's a responsibility to the individual. It's a responsibility that that person should be restored. But it is also a responsibility that that individual be restored, that the the church would be restored. For the church is damaged. The church is harmed by these transgressions. And the apostle had said, as we have it recorded in, in chapter 5 and verse 9, I think it is, that, that, that simple concept, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so it is that your transgressions and my transgressions those that are certainly known in the public arena 
have to be addressed for they're certainly damaging to our, our own selves, but likewise damaging to the church. And likewise, God's word to us today, as this writing continues, that we recognize this one another passage that follows close on the heels of this idea of, of the one who is caught in transgression being restored. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. This is the call for the church to, to shoulder a responsibility for each of its members in every way, shape, form, or fashion. In physical needs, emotional needs, and certainly in spiritual needs. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And we don't quit being members of the church after we leave on Sunday. It is our duty, it is the call of God's word upon our lives that we have each other in mind, that we give consideration to each other all the time in every way. This word burdens speaks of that which, which is more than the individual can handle alone. It's, it's something of a generalization, isn't it? This idea of the burdens that we're to bear for one another. But I think it's a generalization so that the specifics are determined in a time and a place, right? The specifics are determined by the need that is present. The specifics are up to the discerning spirit of the body. But this instruction is, is given just great weight here in the scriptures. This idea of bear one another's burdens is set in the context then that you would in so doing so fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, this is very directly the, the theme upon which we have set this entire series of messages, right? That these one another passages are, are given to us to give us to understand how we go about being obedient to our Lord and Savior. That tell us how we go about, what are the verbs, right, that go with being the church, with being one another. And so it is that as we bear one, another, one another's burdens in such the whole law is fulfilled. And so we have it in Galatians 5.14. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, this is my command, that you love one another. Jesus said, by this will the world know that you are my followers if you love one another. John writes throughout 
that marvelously wonderful book of love in 1 John. That this is the only command. This is the only command that we have been given by Christ. The command that we love one another. And as we bear one another's burdens, that which, is, that which the individual, the, the person themselves, cannot of their own bear, that herein we fulfill, we accomplish, we are doing that to which Christ has called us to love one another. If we are to bear one another's burdens, if we are to restore one who is caught in a transgression, we will confess our sins to one another. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Our text this morning, our focal passage was Galatians 6, 1 through 4, 5, 5. And we find that Galatians 2, not too surprisingly, follows quick on the heels of verse 1. If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It's, it's obvious here in this text, it's plain, that the burdens of others that we are called to bear may well entail bearing a burden of their sins. Bearing a burden of their transgressions. <coughs> what does that look like? What am I saying there? Certainly, there are sins that, are, that we would call besetting sins. They hang on to you. Hard to get over. Hard to let go. I'm so reluctant to cite the example, and yet it comes immediately to the mind of a dear, precious brother who was addicted to a street drug. And I mean to tell you, he was addicted. He, he, did, uh, he did things in order to obtain that drug that are unmentionable. And it was, it was as the church came alongside him. It was as the church bore the burden of this sin with him that God, that God worked in him to overcome that addiction, that sin, that transgression. There are certainly other instances where this is the case. But it is the responsibility of the church, the body of Christ, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ as sins are confessed. 
As sins are confessed, this is, this is where the, the bearing of that burden is initiated. When, when the sin becomes, when the transgression is, is, is caught out in the open, and confession is made. It's a rich word, this word confession. You've, uh, you've certainly heard it said, confession is good for the soul. Used to be a popular saying. I, I reckon it's still around. No? Oh, well. Those of us over 16 probably remember it. <laughs> but certainly we all recognize that there are those that uh, call themselves therapists of one form or another, engage in that which is known as talk therapy, and the intent is so very often simply to, to lead that person to, to get them to say what's troubling them, to get it out in the open, to speak of what is, has been internalized that is making them sick, so very often literally making them sick. The therapist will tell them, you're never going to get better until you say it, until you make known what the trouble is. When you acknowledge, when you realize, when you confess, certainly if you're not familiar with the idea of confession's good for the soul, you know that getting it off your chest is often a good idea. But it's not only a popular relief for wrongdoing. It's downright biblical. Confess your sins to one another. You'll be glad you did. Confess your sins to one another. You'll feel better. You'll be better. Knowing that as you have confessed your sins, that you have the, the goodwill of the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You, you will be better in, in, in knowing that as you have prayed together, as your church has prayed with you, that you've received their forgiveness and has, have had affirmed to you God's forgiveness that you are in the body of Christ. That you are a, a part of this fellowship. The blessings that come from being a part of the body. The blessings of knowing you live in the forgiveness of Almighty God. And then in the name of Jesus Christ you have been granted the promise of eternal life. Certainly we're reminded, affirmed to us in 1 John chapter 1. I know a, a passage that immediately comes to many of you's minds in this idea. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But remember the, 
the next words go on to say, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Confess. Confess your sins to one another. Confess a sin that has been committed an offense against another. Confess to the one against whom the sin has been committed. If it's a sin against God, confess to God. If it's a sin against the body, confess to the body. But do not fall into the trap of excusing your sin with the details of your sin. Don't fall into the trap of making excuse for your failure by, being, by describing the, the very uh, details of what was involved in your sin. Name the sin specifically and pray for forgiveness. Confess in humility, not in pride. Now you ought to write that one down. For this is a sin we've seen far too often. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You know what? You might as well confess your sins. If you say you've not sinned, you make God out to be a liar. But confess your sins because nobody thinks you're perfect. We have professed Christ. We, we have been baptized into the to the church and to the body of Christ, a member of the body. In that Christian profession, we, we came to that, that place where we confessed our sinfulness. Amen? We, we come to the place in our profession of faith in Jesus Christ that we have recognized our sinfulness, we have acknowledged our sinfulness, we have confessed our sinfulness, we have repented of our sinfulness. We have said to the community, I am a sinner. We have said before Almighty God, I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. A sinner in need of God's forgiveness. We all know you're a nice person. We all think you're a good person charitable, polite, law-abiding. But you ain't perfect. Get over it. Confessing sin to one another is a path to a closer relationship, to a closer fellowship in the body of Christ. You will be better. And your relationship 
to one another in the church will be better. That which you fear is unfounded. And pray for one another. I think the and's important here, don't you? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. These things go together. The prayer of a of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Hallelujah. Amen. What is this power? So we we kind of focus in on the specifics after having rejoiced in the generalization. What is this power? Power to, to do what? Where is this power applied? What is, what is the work that it is doing? I think it's important that we, we ask these questions and seek to understand and know exactly the meaning of what is said to us, that as we confess our sins to one another, we pray for one another to understand that there is in this prayer a great power that is at work. And it is that power of forgiveness, it's that power that will, in the forgiveness of one another, will build up that one anotherness, if you will, that relationship of love within us, praying for one another, praying with one another, grows that loving relationship in the body of Christ. And it does so with power, as it is working, to build up the body of Christ, to build up our, our love and our relationship with one another. This is God's Word for the lives of His people to accomplish His purpose for His glory and our joy. As we bear one another's burdens by confessing our sins to one another, we must forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32 As I've mentioned any number of times, you, you folks didn't have the, the blessings of growing up in Grand Avenue Elementary School. But this was also a daily quote. We did the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag. We... Uh, we quoted the uh, golden rule. How does that one go? Um, do unto others. Amen. We did that every morning. And then we, uh, we would quote Ephesians 4.32. But of course it said, Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. As Christ, it says, for Christ's sake, God has forgiven you. In, as God in Christ forgave you. That's a powerful statement, is it not? The standard, the standard for, for our forgiveness of one another, 
arises not from our own sins, rather it, it does arise from our own sinfulness. As God in Christ forgave you, forgive one another. <clears throat> I've so often encountered people who will say, I just can't forgive them. I just, I just can't. But the inability to forgive comes not from the severity of another's sin, but from the severity of your own sin. It is in Christ that God has forgiven us. The magnitude of our sin is not measured by the meagerness of man's standard, but by the magnitude of the sacrifice of the Son of God. When I diminish, when I diminish the ability of, of to forgive another, I am diminishing the the sacrifice of the Son of God that was given that my sins might be forgiven by a righteous and holy God. No place. It is in Christ we have been forgiven. It is in Christ we have been forgiven. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Again, I think a misconception about forgiveness, forgiving one another, is that it's a, a, a single event, a one-time action. Nay, nay. Forgiveness is a continuing, always, every hour of every day. Forgiveness, an ongoing part of the Christian life. For let me assure you, that old sin nature will dredge up every wrong every, ever having been done to you. And many that you only suspect were done to you. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. In Christ, not in your power, not because the other is deserving, but in Christ, we live. In Christ, we are called to live out a spirit of forgiveness. It is our identity. It is who we are in Christ. I got to thinking about what it would be like in a church where there's no forgiveness. Where grudges are held, jealousies assail, vindictiveness prevails, forgiveness withheld. Love 
expelled. There is no Christian fellowship. There is no church when there is no one-anotherness, when there is no forgiveness. But in a forgiving, loving fellowship, as we bear one another's burdens by confessing our sins to one another, praying for one another, forgiving one another, each of us, as the Scripture tells us, must bear our own load. Galatians 6, 5. I think it's essential that we consider this verse any time we consider Galatians 6, 2. It's recalled to bear one another's burdens, acknowledging that we are each then called to bear our own load. It's as much a part of the one anotherness as any other statement we've considered in this regard. And there's no contradiction here between this statement that each will have to bear his own load and the call to bear one another's burdens. For these are, as you can see here in the English translations, they're two different words. The burden being that which will bear one down. The burden being that which one cannot bear up by himself. And the load which each will have to bear is that which is bearable. Not burdening others. Bearing your own load. Not burdening others with that which you are perfectly capable of bearing your own self. You find this failure in those who are just plain lazy, slothful, selfish. Attention-seeking for those who it's all about me. These lead to not bearing one's own load. And certainly this, our own load, is that for which we will give an account. Referring to 2 Corinthians 5.10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what, has, what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Again, we, we stand before these verses, these words, with a sense of, what does it really mean? Well, it really means the situation and the people who are involved right now. That understanding comes. That understanding is there. In the discernment of those burdens which others cannot bear alone. And in the discernment of the 
the struggle, the suffering, the difficulty that I, I simply must bear up in myself. In the world, we have been taught, we understand that the progression of things is that wrongs are confessed, forgiveness is forthcoming, and we would then bear with others if we have given any consideration to these things whatsoever. But God's Word says to us, God's Word calls to us and would have us to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to confess our sins, arising from the work of our Lord that has made us one body, members of one another, commanded that we love one another. In coming to Christ, we have given up malice, hard-heartedness, covetousness, jealousy. And as Colossians 3.12 and following says, us, says to us, put on then, as God's chosen ones, put on then as, as God's chosen ones. You have been chosen Put on then, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You can tell me if you've heard this one. But there's the story of the man that lived along a river. A flood was forecast. The worst flood in recorded history. The man prayed. He prayed to God that he and his property would be kept safe. As the waters began to rise, sheriff's deputy arrived in one of them great big pickup trucks, bigger than Kelly's. Told the man that evacuation had been ordered. The man said, I'm staying. He said, I've prayed, and I believe God will provide. The sheriff's deputy shook his head, drove off in his big four-wheel drive pickup truck. After only a few hours, the water had begun to flood his house. The fire department arrives in a boat calls for him to get in the boat because the river is going to, to flood at a record level. The man yells back to the fireman, My faith is strong. I know that God will save me. The firemen shake their heads, move on to rescue more reasonable people. The water continues to rise to the point that is necessary. The man climbs onto the roof of his house. 
He prays now most earnestly before God. Oh God, save me! And no sooner has he voiced the prayer than the sounds of a National Guard helicopter comes flying in over his house and they lower a basket, call down to him, get in the basket. The man declines, waves them off. He says, I will not, not deny my faith in God. The helicopter departs. The water continues to rise, and the man swept off the roof and drowns. He arrives before God, dumbfounded. Cries out, God, why didn't you save me? And God, with a puzzled look on his face, said, Well, I sent a big pickup truck, a boat, and a helicopter. Has God provided for you? Let me restate that. God has provided for you. God has provided help for you. God has provided help to bear those burdens which would weigh you down otherwise. And that help is called the church. God has provided that you may confess your sin. God has provided that you may confess your sins in an environment among a fellowship where you know you are loved. Where you know forgiveness awaits. God has provided that we would bear one another's burdens. For this is to His church, His commission in which we will fulfill the law of Christ. Love one another. Shouldering our responsibility to do what we can, but confessing that we fall short, accepting the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ with a spirit of forgiveness, knowing that we have this gift from God because He has forgiven us. None of this makes any sense. None of this will happen. None of this is possible unless and until we have embraced one anotherness. When we recognize and accept in ourselves that we are the one another of Scripture, we are the one another of the New Testament. We are the one another in Christ. And it is among us, it is to us, that God's call is that we bear one another's burdens, that we confess our sins, that we pray for one another, we, can, we forgive one another. It's only as we identify, as we know ourselves as the church that I am the church, that you are the church, that we are the church, that we are those whom God has chosen, those whom God has called out of the world and unto Himself. We are the body of Christ. How then can we not bear with one another?
How then can we not confess our sinfulness to one another? How could we not forgive one another? How could we not love one another? Are you sick of sin? Confess. Be forgiven. Be restored to the joy of salvation. Are you actively involved in the fellowship of Christ? Do you actively encourage others to call upon you when their need is great? Do you live a life of forgiveness? Is it meaningful to you to forgive others? Because in Christ you have been forgiven. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for your call. Thank you for your word. And thank you, O God, for your instructions, your guidance, your commission, that we would be your people, that we would serve you as we serve one another. And that you, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, would be glorified in all and through all. For it's in his most precious and holy name we pray. Amen.